0: If you're interested in breaking into the sales side of the tech industry, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest is an admissions coordinator and sales development rep at an education startup called Bullseye and is slated to start a business leadership program at LinkedIn in the summer of 2021. But before I introduce you to David Rosenstein, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's Time for Coffee's weekly newsletter, and it comes out bright and early on Monday mornings with unique insights into dozens of different industries from the professionals who are actually working in them. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign up box is right there. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is David Rosenstein, an admissions coordinator and sales development rep at Education Startup. Bullseye, which helps high school students successfully navigate the college application process. David himself only graduated from college in the spring of 2020, which will probably go down as one of the worst years to graduate. Ever And yet, despite this awful job market and his initial job opportunity as a sales associate at LinkedIn getting delayed and then pushed off into the future, David managed to pull a rabbit out of his hat. More on that. A little bit later. And in addition to his full-time day job at Bullseye, David also has a successful side hustle as the founder of DR Consulting. It's also called Rosenstein Speaks. And in that business, which he started while he was still in college and that he still runs to help students and professionals launch their careers, he does so by optimizing their LinkedIn profiles and their resumes, among many other activities. While he was in college, David was laser focused on his extracurricular activities and internships with the goal of building up His brand as a top-notch marketer. And by the time he graduated, he was named American Marketing Association National Student Marketer of the Year for his branding and leadership expertise. We are going to be digging into all of that and much more in our main Time for Coffee interview, so please check out the show notes to see if David's main T4C episode has already dropped. David, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? Andrea, I
1: am caffeinated and I have to say I have heard your intros for other guests and I thought there is no way that she is going to be that outstanding in introducing me and I was fully blown away. I could not be more excited. Let's do this. (laughs)
0: Well, I want to let you know, David, we are doing this interview. I don't need to tell you. Why am I telling you? We want our listeners to know we are doing this interview on December 1st, 2020. How excited, David, are you going to be to say goodbye to 2020 at the end of this month? (laughs)
1: I could not be more excited. This has been such a roller coaster. And of course, in 2020, there have been pockets of goodness and excitement that I'm definitely going to be taking into as I'm thinking about how to propel my joy in 2021. But I am so excited to close the door, lock it behind, swallow the key and never worry (laughs) about 2020 again. It is going to be in the past.
0: And I think the way that you just described that, not the swallowing the key part, but as... (laughs) As a magician, okay, that's that was the whole reference to the rabbit out of the hat, my friends. David is actually also, among his many talents, a magician, something he started when he was three. We'll get into it in the main time for Coffee Interview. But what really jumped out at me, David, in what you just said was the fact that, yes, it was a roller coaster, but there were also pockets of joy. And as somebody who has, let's just put it out there, Thirty plus years on you, David, I can say that is a microcosm of what life is like. And so we all need to find those pockets of joy, even in the middle of a shitstorm like the coronavirus <laughs> 2020 that we all just experienced. Do you agree, David?
1: I more than agree, Andrea.
0: <laughs> okay. So let us jump into our 10 espresso shots. These are the 10 questions to help our young listeners learn more about how to break into your industry, which we are framing as the sales side of the technology industry, specifically educational technology, also known as ed tech. Does that work for you? That works for me. Let's do it. (laughs) So, David, what are the entry-level jobs that are available to our young listeners who are eager to break into this industry?
1: There are a few different types of jobs for anyone who's interested in breaking into the account, the sales side of the tech industry. The ones that jump out at me most are the ones that have the two words in them, either coordinator as a suffix. So sales coordinator and marketing coordinator. This might be a little bit more of an unstructured role if it's more of a hybrid. You may have more responsibilities under your umbrella. The other title that jumps out at me though is sales development representative or business development representative. The acronyms commonly associated with these, SDR and BDR. When I see those at a company, I associate those with structure. And there is a clear program To have an SDR, you typically have someone who has experience in the field. So you might not just be doing all sales roles. You're going to be very, very focused on sales development or business development, which is the perfect entry point into the tech industry.
0: So that's super interesting to me because I recently interviewed someone who I found on LinkedIn, a really cool guy, and his episode just dropped yesterday, Justin Welsh, who is in the SaaS-based software as a service, which is on the cloud. It's, I know you know what this is, but in case our listeners don't. And he was the first one to use that acronym, the sales development representative. Did I say that right? You nailed it. Okay, SDR. Is that kind of a new thing? And when you said there's more structure to it, are you saying that when you see that, that is telegraphing to you as an aspiring job seeker, that that company gets it and that there will be more of like a training program associated with it? So yes, any
1: company can say they're looking for a sales development representative. But I would say this is sort of the first flag, which would me as a job seeker signal to go deeper and to ask follow up questions such as if you see a role has an SDR, typically they're looking for someone with either one to two years of experience or your campus leadership experience or anything else that you've done may actually qualify you. A lot of times, sales development representatives are sought after because they work really hard and really long hours. And so if you are interviewing for an SDR role, one of the big questions that you want to ask is one, who are the other SDRs? How many are on this team? Am I going to be in it alone? Or am I a part of a program? And then two, What's the background of your manager? Have you managed SDRs before? And more often than not in the tech industry, you're going to be getting, especially if you're interested in the larger companies, you're going to get someone who's been doing this, not just managing people as their own rodeo, but used to do the job themselves.
0: Oh my God. Amazing, amazing advice. And honestly, asking about your manager's experience is a super important question, no matter what industry you go into. And of course, you're going to do your prep ahead of time and you're going to have looked at their profile on LinkedIn. You're going to have done your own investigative kind of advance work, but knowing how hands-on they're going to be and what kind of professional development they will be doing with you is a super important question to ask. Okay, David, what Is a useful hard and soft skill that you've looked for over the years, especially when you were on campus at the University of Maryland, in the young people that the other students that you would team up with. I'm not sure if saying hired them is the right verb to use, but you tell me.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because for me, when I was in my leadership roles, I found that the best way to prepare for my own interviews was actually doing interviews in the roles I had. So I would be speaking with 20, 30 students to recruit for a specialized pool of positions. And in that role, I would see students who would tell stories and who would flounder in the basic questions like, tell me about yourself, or wouldn't have any questions at the end of the interview. And I would take bits and pieces from All of the successes and maybe the falling points of the students I worked with. And that would just propel my own interview skills forward. And the things that I noticed and the things that I looked for and that are constantly measured when I interview for sales roles, from a soft skill, it's listening skills. When we think about sales, we commonly think about talking, about schmoozing, about presenting. How well can you concisely share and cohesively a piece of information? The reality is, in order to get to that point, you have to be able to uncover what you're talking about. And in sales, asking sharp questions and asking questions that go deeper and maybe keep conversations going may be more important than putting the entire conversation on your shoulders. So listening skills is something that's really important. And then also, from a hard skill standpoint, writing a lot of salespeople underestimate the value that having a really, really well-written email or proposal can have. And that's why it's so important, especially throughout the interview process that I've been a part of and also that I've been interviewing students for. When I get a really well-written thank you note at the end, if it's concise, that is something that stands out and shows
0: talent. Love. Absolutely love. I think that is fantastic advice. David, what about someone's major? Is it a deciding factor to get into the sales side of the tech industry? In other words, what would the major be that they would need to have if it matters at all? That's the best question because
1: there are such few programs across the country that offer sales majors. They just aren't that plentiful, especially given the amount of roles that exist for salespeople. That's why I work with people who studied history, art, biological sciences. Now, the problem is, and where a lot of students who are interested in breaking into sales may falter, is when they get asked the question, how does biology relate to sales? You have to have a really strong answer because you can draw the bridge. And if you can draw it seamlessly in an interview, you're set. That's not going to be a boundary, but how well that bridge is drawn for you, that's going to be based on how confidently you answer in interview questions, why should you hire me because I'm a biology major? Here are the unique perspectives I'm bringing to the role that someone who studied marketing or business development, they're not going to bring. So no, major is not a gatekeeper.
0: Awesome. And as you were responding there, my brain was going and I was thinking, so what would I say, if I was a biology major, how would I make that pitch? And obviously, without knowing this made up person's uh, background, it's hard for me to say, but I would I would say, David, just riff with me here, because I'm thinking if you have gotten an internship over the summer, if you have worked in Other roles, if you've been a bartender, probably not a bartender because you're going to be under 21 or maybe when you were a senior, when you were a bartender, (laughs) but if you have been a server, if you worked in an ice cream store, if you started your own magic business as a young person, what were your extracurriculars? Those may have involved the act of selling something. So you need to think outside your major. That's what I would advise our listeners to do. Think about yourself holistically. You're not just what you studied in the classroom. You are the sum total of every experience you've had. Maybe you're the oldest. Maybe you're the youngest. Maybe you're a middle child. Maybe you grew up having to work your way through school. These are all assets. These are all attributes that you can use to sell yourself for these positions. David, over to you.
1: Absolutely, and the reality is, I read an article online that was really fascinating that said, each and every day, we may be having to persuade someone up to 10 different times. I may be completely botching that number, (laughs) but the reality is, every person has to, in some way, persuade people or show communication skills in a way that's unique to them. If you studied biology, exactly like you're saying, it's not going to be easy and it's not the responsibility of the interviewer to draw that bridge for you. If you do have a unique experience, and I always talked about in my interview skills, not the sales internship that I had. Heck, I was a tour guide. Mm. And every single day when I was on campus giving tours and telling people why they should come to University of Maryland, well, that was my sale. But the reality is, if you're working retail, let's say you're a waiter and someone wants a bottle of wine that you don't think is the best, or maybe you're out of it. And you're saying, you know what, I would recommend this because you're ordering this with your meal. Well, that's delivering a customized pitch. And that in and of itself is the type of story that's going to make your interview absolutely stand out.
0: A hundred percent. And I'm going to amend what I just said because to your earlier point, David, about the importance of the soft skill of listening, it probably would be more impressive to this interviewer to hear you say how you have exhibited amazing listening skills. And that example that you just gave about the server listening to what his customers ordered, and then making a smart suggestion about a better pairing for a bottle of wine is exactly, that's like right in that sweet spot.
1: Okay, (laughs) Thanks. I wish that I was a waiter. I always wanted to be one.
0: (laughs) Oh, I have no doubt you would crush it. All right, David, what about a graduate school degree? This is less so, of course, for the entry-level positions and much more so for somebody who wants to succeed, wants to get into the C-suite of the sales side of the tech industry, or maybe just run a tech company at some point. Do you think from your experience that it's essential to have a grad school degree? And if it is, what are the ones that you think would be most useful to get?
1: It is an incredibly complicated question because like any question, we are given the context of the environments that we've been raised in. And for me, the environments that I've been immersed in have been two, LinkedIn and Bullseye Admissions. When I worked at LinkedIn, Jeff Weiner, who was an unbelievably successful CEO and one of the most inspirational CEOs I've ever worked with, he was very adamant on success and about reaching the level of success that he did with only his undergraduate degree. And not to undermine the bachelors at all, but to say you can thrive without getting a degree. Now, given he didn't move through the sales side, but also for me at Bullseye Admissions, our founder also didn't get a graduate degree. I think if you are interested in making a leap in sales, maybe a higher jump vertically, or maybe if you're interested in pivoting on the operations side, an MBA would be the degree that I would say wouldn't hurt. But at the same time, if you're succeeding in sales, so much of your success is quantitative and based on your quotas. There are clear numbers that you can point to that other people will see and read, this is how successful you were at the company. Mm. So because of that, you can get 160%, 180% of your quota, shoot through the ladder vertically and potentially skyrocket in the tech industry without having to worry about getting more education.
0: Yeah. Fantastic advice, David. What about life experiences? So these are the experiences that we have outside the classroom. What, in your opinion, do you think are the most useful ones for someone to try to cultivate for those of our young listeners who are still in college right now, or maybe they've just graduated like you who are starting out in this field? I think
1: there are two categories of life experiences that if you can bring them both to the interview, you're set up for gold. And I think one of them is the one that we spoke about shortly ago, a customer service facing role. If you work in a restaurant or if you work in a retail store, I spoke with so many students when I was still an undergraduate who they were looking at their resume saying, you know, I've only worked at American Eagle. Hello, you've worked at American Eagle. You have interacted with dozens of people and customers each and every day you've been on the other side of complaints. And so the idea of communicating, listening, and creating a really positive outcome, that's already one box that you can check. On the other hand, if you're in a role, whether it's a campus leadership role or whether it's a side job, if you don't have a quota or an objective goal that you are trying to meet in your job, create one for yourself. If you can find a job that says, you know, if I can reach the certain benchmark, then I've succeeded, you are gonna be so set up for the competitiveness internally, that is sales. What I mean by that is, let's say you're recruiting chair for your sorority or fraternity. You might say, okay, we want to get a really high number. We want to get over 100 people. Make that a hard number. Give yourself a quota. Say last year, we reached 150. This year, because there's a larger freshman pool to consider, I think we can get 170 and see how well you meet. If you can exceed that number, that is a fantastic story to say in the interviews. If they say, why sales? You can say, I'm a quota crusher.
0: (laughs) I love that. I'm a quota crusher. I actually, David, just posted on LinkedIn this morning about an audacious goal that I have for 2021. And it was part of a thank you to my LinkedIn followers because I just took another step towards reaching this audacious goal. And first, I'll tell you what the goal is. The goal is ridiculous. It's to reach 500,000 followers on LinkedIn in 2021. Ridiculously huge. But if I don't set that goal, who's going to do it for me? Who's going to do it for me? You have to dream big now. I was thanking my followers because it was my birthday last week and I asked my followers not to send cards or gifts like they would have. But anyway, I asked them not (laughs) to do that, but instead to follow me. And I had a video about that to please follow me. And we crossed over 4,000 followers. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. And to David's point, you want to be a quota crusher. You want to be a gold digger. You want to have those goals that you put out there for yourself that are big. And then guess what? You can use them in those job interviews.
1: Absolutely. One of my best friends who I'm working with right now, her name is Michelle. Michelle, if you're listening, this one's for you. Michelle comes from a volleyball coaching background. So, you know, she brings her gaming and her athleticism and drive to each and every call she makes. And there's a reason why she's one of the top performers at our company.
0: Fantastic. So, David, what is the best part for you of being in this industry, in the sales part of the tech industry?
1: I, for the longest time, really liked marketing because I thought you could influence people at scale. But I love sales because I get to change one person's world each and every time I'm on the phone. The reality is, for me at Bullseye Admissions, the college process is tricky. And for me, I get to speak with every single day a stressed out high school junior or senior or one of their parents and just learn about where they are in the process and if, let alone how, they need help. If they're lost, like 95% of the students that we work with, then we have a solution for them. And the fact that I get to be in a role that says, hey, guess what? Here's the solution for you that you may not even know exists. We can help you out. And I get to hang up the phone. That's a success. And so the best part for me is each and every time I get a win, I know that that person's world is fundamentally changed. Now, I don't think I'm saving the world. I want to make that clear. But I know for that one person, this could potentially impact the rest of their life and how cool that I got to be a fly on the wall.
0: Definitely. And we also know that every job, no matter how amazing, has aspects that may not be so amazing. They may even suck. So what is the part of your current job, David, as an admissions coordinator and sales development rep at Bullseye Admissions that sucks the most?
1: (laughs) I have a lot of things that I do to make the job as exciting as possible. But when you look at what I do each and every day, it's very easy to think it's repetitive. I make calls with dozens of families every single day, sometimes upwards of 80 different calls that I'm making. And luckily, I'm always spicing up the calls that I make. I'm changing my voicemail script, but I leave a lot of voicemails. So, I think that's hard. And another piece that's hard is the amount of work that it takes. The best piece of advice that I ever got specifically in sales is that if you want to succeed, you have to put in the work. There are simply no shortcuts, there is no procrastination. The more inputs you put in, the better the results will be. And I'm finding that in this job, I find myself motivated consistently to work really long hours and work really dedicatedly because I want to see those results. So, there aren't any shortcuts. It is repetitive. But you know what? The fact that I can look how much I crushed my quota this month at the end of every month, that makes it worth it.
0: Woohoo! All right. <laughs> so three final espresso shots. What is the best career advice you've ever gotten, David? And it doesn't have to be related to anything you're doing right now. Oh, I remember
1: Tricia Homer, who was my facilitator at a leadership retreat that I went to when I was a freshman. She recognized that I was really extroverted. And when we were having a group brainstorm afterwards, when she was coaching me, she said, speak less. She said, use your voice and your energy to bring out the voices of maybe the more quiet people in the room. Be conscious of your space and speak less and that has fundamentally changed the way I attend every single meeting, every single group project and really the way that I approach my
0: entire job. Wow, that is really powerful.
1: Yeah, I I am forever indebted to Tricia Homer. She if you are listening Tricia, she's the best.
0: Fantastic. Okay, David. What movies, if any, or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu streaming shows, or books, do you think accurately depict this profession?
1: Oh, Andrea, I was so excited for this question. and <laughs> my, answer, my answer is a little hilarious, but as funny as it is, I have to give a shout out and tip of the hat to Silicon Valley. I have some people who I know in the industry who are actually afraid to watch the show because it is too accurate. And yes, sure, they exaggerate a bunch of different parts of the industry. But there are some parts that are exaggerated just in the right way that it's hilarious. And I'm Luckily, I'm still naive enough to enjoy it. So I have to give a big shout out to
0: HBO. (laughs) I know. I actually love Silicon Valley, too. It is absolutely hilarious. (laughs) All right. Final espresso shot. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your profession, David?
1: Oh, that's the best because I was surprised to learn this about it, too. Sales is not always sleazy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There was there's a reason why I went so many years in college not wanting to do sales because and I'm sure every listener, when you think about sales, we're all thinking of the same greasy, balding car (laughs) salesman. And that was what I thought it was. I thought that to be in sales, you were trying to sell someone something that they don't need and you were trying to manipulate them and use all these tactics. But the reality is I know in my role, what I have is exactly what the buyers, the students that I'm working with, it's what they need. And it's the perfect solution for them. And how wonderful that I get to be in a role where I'm educating them. And so it's not sleazy. I love it.
0: (laughs) Well, they are so lucky to have you on their team, David. If you are interested in learning more about what David does in his role at Bullseye Admissions and what it is like to be on the sales side of the tech industry in more detail. Check out your notes to see if David's main Time for Coffee interview has already dropped. David, thank you so much for making Time for Coffee today with me and the t for c community. This was wonderful.
1: Andrea, you're the best. And listeners, thanks for tuning in today.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T for C. we